Welcome back to the Run Strong Podcast, episode number 103. And yes, you're wondering why I'm doing the introduction today. It's because Tom Walker is taking a well-deserved break in Wales. But do not worry, you will hear his voice in today's show. He pre-recorded today's show with today's guest whilst I was in Jordan when he bashed out about three podcasts, which is fantastic. So I'll do the intro, he'll do the show. And then you hear both of our voices. We're not denying you any of that. What is new in Inner Fight Endurance at the minute? Right now, we have just launched the Start to Run Half Marathon Plan. It is a basic plan designed for beginner or intermediate athletes who want to hit their first half marathon, or maybe they've already run a half marathon but want to smash a PB. It's brand new. It's on training peaks. There's no coach input because you don't need it. It's a beginner program, but it is four, nine, five for the 12 weeks running, strength, mobility, core, everything you need in a beginner half marathon plan. If you know anyone that wants it, if you know anyone that wants to run a half marathon, perhaps somebody in the office, perhaps a family member, just reach out to me, rj at innerfight.com. We can have a chat and we can get them on that plan. For all other endurance inquiries, just email endurance at innerfight.com. To get in touch with Tom Walker, email tw at innerfight.com. I think that's it. Oh, of course. Please take a few minutes of your day to go over, rate, and review the podcast. This is how we grow. It is, if you like, the Bitcoin, the, the money. It's the, the likes, the double tap of the podcast world. When we grow, we can get better guests. And we, when we get better guests, it's better for your brain matter. So please, a few minutes of your day, rate and review the podcast. You don't actually necessarily have to give it five stars. You can give it one star. It all helps. If you want to give us some feedback, feel free to give us some feedback. If you want to give us some guests, email us some guest suggestions and we will try and get them on. That's my spiel. I'm done. Let me introduce today's show for you. Triathlon Taron Gessel. He is the founder of Motive and he's one of the world's top experts in helping adults become endurance athletes later on in life. He's best known for his YouTube channel and podcast. Taron, he's also the author of the Triathlon Foundation series. Um, it's a series of books that's been published and featured endurance publications from all over the world. I know Tom had a fantastic time talking to Taron. He actually, he wrote one of, a, one of his blog posts that he writes on a Saturday. It comes out on his Instagram. He wrote a blog post about the chat that he had with Taron. And it was really thought provoking, actually. If you don't read uh, Tom's blog post, I strongly suggest that you go over, head to his Instagram, have a read every Saturday. They won't take long, but they're full of golden nuggets of information. Anyway, enough of me. Here is today's show where Tom Walker is interviewing triathlon Taryn Gessel. Hope you enjoy. Taryn, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day and being here. Thanks for having me, Tom, especially after I was a few minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a rule with our, you know, everyone knows, in a fight knows we have a 59 rule, which means you're always one minute early. But uh, I'll let you off being five minutes late because you were out on the trails, which we can't can't let, uh, give you any shit for that because you know we'd all want to be out on the trails yeah well we'll call it work and exactly <laughs> and exactly focused yeah Taryn, tell us 
briefly who you are and what you do. So I would be the YouTuber formerly known as Triathlon Terran. Uh, as of a few weeks ago, I just announced that what I've built up as a following on YouTube and a podcast, uh, Instagram following, books that we've written, it's all been under the name Triathlon Terran. And after six and a half years of being Triathlon Terran, I've found myself kind of pulled more towards other endurance sports and other challenges. And as I talk to our athletes that we coach with our, our app and athletes who purchase our books, triathlon for a lot of people isn't the be all end all. Challenge is the be all end all, like challenging themselves physically is. So here I am being triathlon Terran, basically excluding anyone who wants to run races or do trail runs or grand fondos or swim runs or do athlons or whatever it is and i think that just being triathlon terran referring to everyone for these past bunch of years as trainiacs like people who train like a maniac i think it ignores the fact that there needs to be balance in life balance with your overall health balance with not just cardiovascular training but strength training and not strength training but also your digestive system and your mental health and and bouncing from one race to another so that you're balancing your overall health and and taking care of all of your body systems and not just saying i am going to do nothing but triathlon and chase personal bests and that is what my life will be fulfilled by because that's frankly it's just not what i feel and it's what i see from the world realizing over the past couple of years it's not what a lot of people are feeling would unsustainable probably comes to mind Yeah, that would be a a great word for it. Um, I I was just talking about a study that was done by somebody who I know really well who went to Kona. And you would think that the athletes in Kona by default are really, really healthy because they got there and they managed to keep their body together to get to this world championship in Ironman racing. And he wanted to take a hormone panel of all the athletes to see how they were doing. Well, more than 60% of the athletes had a subpar hormone panel. They were like a bunch of 65 year old people who are just falling apart. And these are the best athletes in the world. And when you look at that and say, all right, yeah, you're, you're getting to go to a world championship, but is it worth it? Is it, is it really worth it? Or is there a way to get to these world championships in a better way? And I think there is a better way to do it that, just isn't part of the culture that's this is exactly why i wanted to get you on the show because you're you're speaking a truth that i think is uh has been known by a select few coaches out there um you know any coach that tells you ironman training is healthy is is probably in some way twisting the truth mm-hmm. and uh and certainly for the ironman distance what you need to go through to compete at your best for that distance whether even you know if you're doing a 15 16 17 hour that's still not healthy to the compared to the someone who's putting themselves through the training that takes to do a you know a sub nine hour i think any way you look at it it's very difficult to say yes this is the way a healthy person should exercise whether it's worth you know for that season or whatever it is that you're going to do ironman for then maybe it's it's paying off and it's what you want to achieve and things and so yes it it will be healthy for you in the long run because it gives you more confidence it gives you um you know greater awareness of who you are and you can make better choices down the line but when you're on this conveyor belt of yeah, my identity is to do 
Iron Man and I will keep doing this until well I don't know when then it definitely becomes <laughs> right. a bit of a, a problem there mate I'm interested in what you were doing before you started triathlon towering because I think that sets up kind of the the rest of the narrative for you were you are you a lifelong athlete or were you doing something else prior to when you set up your your YouTube channel not at all I'm just like everyone else I had no background in swimming biking or running I couldn't swim the length of a pool I couldn't bike 15 kilometers I couldn't run to the end of the street could not do that and a lot of people might listen and go well why would anyone ever take advice from this person I feel that that background of just being a financial advisor, who I, I was a professional curler, curlers aren't really known for being athletes. Good lunch. But uh, yeah, there, there are a couple now, but being a regular person without a background and getting myself to the point where I peaked out at finishing, I believe it was 13th or 14th out of 1700 athletes in half Ironman races. And I did that a couple of times in my most competitive year. There's a lot of things that you have to overcome and learn how to actually train. How do you actually train properly to be able to do that? And coming from a background of being a financial advisor, a non-athlete, to having to start at square one, I think that's part of why a lot of people have actually followed me because I, I've gone through what everyone is going through. I'm not some elite coach that's like, oh, well, you have to work on a high elbow catch in the water and um, make sure that your recovery elbow is at a perfect 90 degrees. And meanwhile, you're in the water, not even knowing how to breathe. I remembered what it was like not learning how to breathe or not knowing how to breathe at the start. So those are the lessons that I talk about in our books and our podcasts and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, you're using your advantage of not knowing in a different way to the coaches who seem to know everything, but maybe can confuse people a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you think with it, mate, that there comes some sort of naivety to what may happen to you like two, three years down the road that people aren't aware of when they're new to triathlon? Because anybody who has done triathlon since they were young or, or maybe done competitive sport, they know that you have ebbs and flows of times where you're working really hard and then times where you're switching off and having a break. When you go into the sport, you're, you tend to have these amazing feelings that you've never had before. So you, you don't really think about, oh, well, I should take a break here. Or, you know, coaches tell you there is a point where you may feel some burnout and that's absolutely normal and you need to take some downtime, but you kind of don't want to see the results stopping. Do you think that is a little bit of a disadvantage, not knowing what you're getting yourself into from that sense? I wouldn't put that as a, I wouldn't put that on the athlete. I would put that on the culture of our sport. So I'll preface this by saying there's a lot of emerging evidence out there that is showing studies that athletes who train more than 10 hours a week have an all-cause mortality, basically an overall measure of health that is even worse than some sedentary people. There's another study that backs this up, huge, huge study of around 22,000 athletes. And I haven't actually seen this study. It was just told to me by a researcher who we work with very extensively. And he said, the closer that you get to being an elite athlete, the more calcification there is around your heart. So the more likely you are to have heart attacks, heart disease, heart problems, um, the more likely your genetics, if you have heart problems in your family will pop up. And 
these are starting to be talked about. These, these issues are starting to be talked about, but it's just barely getting into the conversation because the culture of endurance sport and particularly triathlon is that unless you are training 15 hours a week of more, you're not, or more, you are not serious. You're just a hobbyist and you can't expect to perform very well. And that I think leads people to this state that you're talking about where they get in, they're like, well, I just have to train so much because that's what everyone does. And I don't think that it needs to be that way. I think that you can train and be healthy most of the time and then choose some small little moments for a few months here and a few months there to step it up and go beyond that 10 hours a week. But because the culture has just ramped up so much that it's just built this expectation that at bare minimum, you train nine hours a week. Like that's a downtime. We're really from a health perspective. This is like the ceiling. Can you remember the the feelings that you were having when you first got into triathlon and, and began your training journey? Yeah, I was at the start overwhelmed. I was really overwhelmed. I found it really, really daunting to think how could I ever, how could I ever do a triathlon when I can't even swim the length of a pool? And the first race that I did was a 300 meter swim, a 13K bike and a 3K run. And those were like the most distance that I could ever imagine doing. And then it grew beyond that. But once I got past the the hurdle of kind of figuring out how to put a training plan together and how to actually train properly with some purpose, I got right into that culture and that mindset that we're talking about here that like instantly you get sucked in and it's how much more can I do? And it's always like, all right, I just did a half marathon. Now I'm going to go do a half Ironman. Now I'm going to go do an Ironman. Like instantly, it's like a kid at a candy store that it's super fun to try all these things, but it always just comes with more training, more training, more training. And I think we need to look as coaches, you and I, the, the people that are, are helping people get to these races, how do we actually bring into the culture health and balance and allow them to do more and allow them to do all of these races without being a detriment to their health? Because frankly, right now, as the culture is, we are. Do you think it's a tricky one when you have, you know, a, a bit of a machine that within triathlon world is, is Ironman, maybe within the marathon world, it, it's your majors, your five major marathons, but they manage to tap into some somewhere within the human psyche that says, I will spend a fortune to get to race the race that you are doing, despite you being able to do it on your own pretty much any, anywhere, anytime. Like we're battling a huge thing here that is also giving as as coaches give us as a living as well. How does it look different? Like how can we get to people and say, you know, you don't need to do all that. Well, why is, you know, five other thousand people doing it that way? And then I have to be different. Like where can the, where can the culture start to change from it when you're fighting such a big machine that's ticking along and looks like it won't slow down at all? That's a really hard one to do because I don't think it's just Ironman that is pushing this and the the five major marathons that are doing this or Otillo in swim run or these big events because you can go to these big events on seven hour training weeks or you can show up completely unprepared. I think it's more the culture and it's a cultural shift 
And it's not just a cultural shift of endurance sports, it's a cultural shift for people, that people always think more is the answer, more money, more work, more of a house, more cars, more clothes, that more is always the answer. So they put that onto training and say, well, hey, more is the answer here. More training is also better here. And I can tell you that it's just not. The, you might have seen the study, I've talked about it a lot, that there was one researcher who looked at Ironman Brazil finishers and looked at athletes who train less than 14 hours a week, athletes who train 14 to 20 hours a week, and athletes who train 20 hours a week or more, thinking that because of the culture, the athletes who train the most would be the fastest. Well, it was actually the athletes who train the least that were the fastest. And then from the other studies that I'm talking about, we also know that the athletes who trained under 20, 10 hours a week are also the healthiest. So it's just this culture of more and more and more in society that I think we have to push against. It's really hard to actually be somebody who says something opposite to that, but I think we have to. And the only way that it can happen for us to bring that sentiment into our sport is just to talk about it have these podcasts and, and be open about it and, and actually look at the data and be honest with ourselves with what generates good performance, what generates good health, less than we're doing. Yeah. Remember a few years ago, about maybe 10 years ago now, uh, Ben Greenfield started to talk about it and was a big proponent of minimal training, less is more. And he'd been to Kona and, and you know, he was an incredible athlete. And then slowly he started doing less training and he started shifting more towards building muscle and going for health and longevity. And at a certain crossover point, he, he stopped doing any sort of endurance sport. And I was like, oh, that was just his way of sort of coming down and then transitioning into a completely different sport for himself because, yeah, he's obviously seen that endurance sport isn't, isn't the healthiest for him. Who do you think will be a leading figure who's going to be able to say, I mean, you're going to be one of these, but who else is going to bring their training down start to train more for for health and longevity but still do triathlon because the in the past you see people realize it and but then they stop doing triathlon and people go ah they'd stop because they actually don't want to continue to do triathlon but mm -hmm. is there any pros out there that you know who are doing it or any other you know leading figures within the sport well ben is actually a really interesting story so i heard through the grapevine that back when ben was starting to talk about what you're talking about putting on muscle, being balanced, minimal training, that around this time, a bunch of coaches at a conference actually cornered him and kind of pushed him out of the industry because in their mind, he was talking about blasphemy. What are you talking about? You're talking yeah. about crazy, crazy things. And I don't, I don't believe he's ever talked about this publicly. And, and I'm kind of hearing this from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. So it's probably quite a bit different than what actually happened. But I know that he was urged to get out of triathlon for what he was talking about. And here he is talking about overall health. Um, that's a really hard thing to push against. Um, but you do have researchers that are starting to talk about it. Um, me, I'm going to talk about this. Um, Katrina Matthews, she's a professional Ironman athlete who is winning Ironmans, not just going in and entering Ironmans and completing them. She's winning Ironman races with 11 hour training weeks. And she's doing this in such an amazing fashion. I think she put out the third fastest marathon split in an Ironman in female history. And if you look at her, 
She looks healthy and she looks fit, but she doesn't look like this wispy little emaciated runner. She looks like a, a healthy, like she's got a little bit of extra weight on her, but like healthy weight, looks fit, looks healthy, is training in a healthy way and is putting out knockdown solid run times. And we need more people like that. I think we just need more people to, to look at and see that it actually works, but it's going to be hard to do. I actually put out a question on my Instagram saying, do you know of anyone who trains minimally? And I didn't get one single response, not one. So no. it's just such a rare thing, even though the studies support that you can be very elite. I do think that to be a very top level pro like Katrina, you do have to go pretty deep into the well with the training hours that you're doing, but to be the best version of yourself as an adult amateur, like you can peel it way back and still be quite fast. Agreed. Yeah. Another one I just thought of actually is Rich Roll. He, um, you know, he was a ultraman training incredible hours and, and switched over back to just, you know, taking it easy and, and working more on himself. And I think he still runs and swims, but the thing is the caveat here is all these guys are former, uh, like lifelong athletes, you know, they were, they were mm. almost professional or were professional. Do you think it's something that amateurs almost have to go through? It's almost a rite of passage within Ironman is you get into the sport, you, you then train crazy. You see a great rate of improvement. You then have your first burnout, you get back from it. Then you burn out again, then you get back from it. And then you think, is this worth what I'm doing? You must see that a lot. I sure hope it's not a rite of passage that they have to go through. I hope that we can get the message out there as a community of coaches enough that people aren't looking for that burnout because people seem to want that. People want to go so deep into the hole that they have to will themselves to get up every morning and be tough to get over it. Yeah. I wish that we could have more stories that are like uh, a new friend who started working with me and she's our community manager. She did uh, a marathon. I want to say it was about eight, nine years ago. And it took her a year to actually develop her love for running again after that marathon, because she trained like most people trained, trudged through all the training, lots and lots of sweet spots, zone three kind of training, burnt herself out. And then because she was working with us, we did some training with her. Lots and lots of low, easy training, trained less, never ended a run feeling like she had to lay on the couch for eight hours, actually felt underprepared coming into the race, which is a good thing. Like you should feel undercooked. And she did the race PB by about 30 minutes and then got back to running 10 days later. And I wish that people could have that experience more, that story of hey, I got to a race. I was a little bit afraid because I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. And then I had a great day and then got back into running or triathlon or whatever it is right after. Like those are the stories that I want to hear. I want people to seek that out and not seek out that burnout. You uh, people might listening and not sure what, what burnout is. Maybe they've not experienced it yet or they, you know, they just think of it as something else. Tell us about your burnout, mate. How are you feeling? What were some signs to you that things needed to change? My worst burnout wasn't actually what I'm going through right now. My worst burnout was actually in 2017. That was about the start of it when I started 
opening up my mind to the idea that there could be something else. And in 2017, what I went through was I had just come off my first year doing a half Ironman, did a fairly good time and wanted to step it up a little bit, hired a coach, did what everyone does. And all of a sudden started training a lot. And it was a lot of sweet spot zone three kind of training because that's supposed to be the training that feels like exercise. So it's supposed to be the most effective. And I got really, really fit for about three months. And then after that, all of a sudden, I started having this mindset of, well, you've got you've to get over your, um, your low motivation. You got to get through that pain. You got to grind through the workouts. And people can go back to my videos that year and listen to me talk. And it's a lot about getting past your hurdles. And it's not about challenging yourself appropriately. It's about just feeling like everything is work to go out for that second workout of the day or get up for that first workout of the day, or the workout is really hard when you're going through it. And these are all indications that your body's saying like, this is enough. If it doesn't feel good when you're doing it and it doesn't feel good after, and your motivation to actually do it is fairly low and you wake up in the morning, you're feeling kind of groggy, but oh, I got to get to my workout. These are all indications that your body's saying, let's back it off. In my case, I ended up getting through it for only about 14 months and it ended in being sick about four or five times in one winter. And the very end of it was depressed to the point of coming home from work on a Friday, 5 p.m., just went to bed, curled up in a ball and was basically crying to my wife saying, I don't know if I'm ever going to do triathlon again because I hate the workout so much. And I didn't look at it as burnout or adrenal fatigue or hormone issues or that I'd ruined my digestive system. I just looked at it as like, I just can't keep up with the training. And that's what it felt like. And having gone through a lot of blood panels and learning about digestive system, this is what so many people go through. When you look at Instagram, it's all about getting over your stuff. And if you want it bad enough, you've got to hurt and bleed to do it. Well, if it feels like you're hurting and bleeding to do it and, and like you want it bad enough, you've got to get over your stuff. You're probably already going too far. This is like stage one. Just a, a little bit of low motivation is stage one. And you don't want to get to stage four or five because that means you might be out of the sport. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the deeper you go in, the deeper you need, the more time you need to, to come out the other side of it. Yeah. So you really felt the pressure... Uh, you you weren't even looking at it on a bigger picture you just were like these workouts are insane but i still have to find a way of, find a way to do them yeah so it was like completely all encompassing for you you couldn't see your way your way through it no i just thought that's what you had to do because I, I hired a coach and the coach is he's a friend and his methods work really really well for him but it was just every workout was hard yeah because every workout had to be a workout and it was a little bit hard it was like seven out of ten kind of hard but built up when you're doing 14 of these workouts every single week my goodness i was just falling apart and my sort of where i was going with this was that the onus really does lie on the coaches to make athletes aware that you know they have a choice as well like i think a good coach will always talk an athlete through their week and 
and be like, look, here's your key days. But also if you don't feel great here, then you can relax and, and not worry about it. Where do you think coaches are, do you think coaches are seeking that education or do you think a lot of them just still have their head in the sand? Because ultimately, right, you come to me to do Ironman. You've probably got this amazing picture in your head of how training is going to look. Like you're going to have to run through walls to get there. And then I'm there like, yeah, but by the way, if you feel a little bit tired, like miss this workout, don't worry about it. Take the extra sleep. It's much better for you. And you're kind of almost deflating the the bubble and you're, you're worried like, oh, I might lose a client. They might go somewhere else that looks like they've got a really good training plan that will wreck me ready for my race. <laughs> yeah, I think what it is, is a combination of the coach's mindset and the athlete's mindset. And I think it comes down to what you're, what you think you're buying and what you think you're selling as an athlete and a coach. And I think the, the middle piece where they're meeting in the middle is the athlete thinks they're buying a set of workouts and the coach thinks they are prescribing workouts. So because everything is under this premise of, all right, I've got to write a workout. It's always with the mindset of, okay, what's a workout? What's, how do I make this interesting? And then when you start making every single workout interesting, everything becomes, all right, well, there's got to be some intervals. There's got to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that it needs to feel like a workout. It's not really sexy as a coach to write in most of your sessions that are like, go for a 50 minute easy run. And that, that's it. Like most of our sessions and our workout, probably about 70 to 80% don't have intervals. It, it's largely just telling you when to go and when to peel back and handling that overall balance. And a complaint that we get from our athletes is, well, all these sessions are the same. Like, well, no, they're not all the same. I mean, sometimes it's 35 minutes, sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 45, sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 20. And it's those tiny little changes of little bits of additional load here and there in the training load, and maybe adding in hills, saying, go do this easy session on hills, or do this one on pavement. These are small little changes that I think we should be hired as coaches to do, not look at every single workout as a workout. Because when you look at every single workout as a workout, every workout is going to be a workout and every workout shouldn't be a workout. Every single session should not be a workout, but all workouts are sessions, if that makes sense. So it's really just looking at it from the standpoint of like, you're not paid as a coach to challenge people all the time. Sometimes the challenge is holding back so that you can yep. stay healthy. Yeah. And, and asking the hard questions, making the athletes check in with themselves. You know, are you enjoying what you're doing? Why do you want to do this? What's the reasons behind it all? And, and make them challenge themselves in that way. Completely agree. And it's actually one of the issues I have with off the shelf plans is you're predicting how an athlete's going to feel for 12 weeks. And I just think you can't, it's very hard to do that. And, and as mm. a, a coach, you know, from uh, basically it's all I've ever done is you've, you always need to speak to the athlete first to understand what they need next because you can't write the next block or the next week even if you don't know how they're feeling right here and now and I think that's another thing that comes back to being on, on athletes being aware of what they're doing is your like you said just uh, not long ago mate like when you get out of bed in the morning and, and if you feel absolutely trashed and you don't want to even look at your bike your coach needs to know that 
your coach needs yeah. to know you're not feeling ready to do it. I would actually put that on the athlete because what I find athletes do is that person that you're talking about that feels absolutely trashed, that doesn't even want to look at their bike. They're probably, when you say, how do you feel on a scale of one to 10? They're going to be like seven, seven, always <laughs> yeah. a seven, always. A, or <laughs> if they're really feeling bad, six, when really it's like a two. Yeah. So yeah. I think we need to be more honest with ourselves. I, I've coached one-on-one athletes. I've been the one-on-one athlete that has said the seven. And I think we need to train people with the culture to understand when a seven is really a two and it's okay to be a two some days. And when you're a two, just go out for a 30 minute easy run. Don't turn it into a bunch of 5k repeats. Like just go out and that easy run is probably going to do you more benefit than your actual workout. And be honest when you're a two, just be a two and be happy that you're a two. Cause it means that you don't have to go out and suffer and you're probably going to get more benefit from just accepting you're going to be a two than yep. tricking yourself and telling your coach that you're a seven or a six. It, it's a long road. We could go down um, talking about why people think that way, which I've been reading a lot about dopamine and uh, the book called the molecule of more. And we envisage when we, when we, okay, I feel really tired and I could do five one K repeats and then it's only a 40 minute session but I'll also be feeling really good after it. And that, that is our minds yeah. getting filled with dopamine of, okay, here's what's going to come. Whereas we need to think more of like, okay, how am I feeling here and now? And do I, you know, I feel really tired. Do I need to go and smash myself? No, that's not going to help me. Like what I should do is just like you say, go for an easy walk and, and sort through the feelings that I'm feeling about not being able to do the workout so that I don't store them away. And then it all comes out later on. I think that's a conversation for another time. And probably I, I like the, this. What is this? The Molecule of More? <laughs> the Molecule of More. Great book. Put it on my Instagram the other day. And uh, yeah, quite a lot of people went and, and started to listen to it or read it. And it, you can have such interesting conversations about it. Um, but something else, mate, I wanted to chat about is you, you're on YouTube. You're, you're a big, you know, big uh, influence on YouTube within our community. How do you feel about these athletes now becoming YouTube stars they're blogging their training they're, do, they're showing their three sessions a day they're you know putting their hours in Lionel Sanders being a very famous one but you know even like Lucy Charles and, and those sort of people who they make they look like all they do is train and you have to know behind the scenes how much recovery they're putting in which they don't tend to show as much do you think that's also part of a culture shift uh, yeah, I think it's great I, I think it's fantastic because they're taking more control of their business. And I don't think that they're being dishonest with how much they train. I've vacationed with some of them and they train the house down. The thing that they do that us athletes need to understand that you talked about is they are obsessed with their downtime. Like they're, um, when I spent time with, uh, there was probably two dozen professional triathletes at Club La Santa in uh, about uh, in the winter, it was about three years ago. And come the afternoon, everyone's having like a nap. Everyone's going to bed at 9 p.m. They're all in their recovery boots. They've all got staff in a lot of cases, people that are taking care of their Instagram and their, their tasks and the management of their business. Essentially, all they're doing 
is training and relaxing. One of the two, which a lot of us athletes can't do because we have regular jobs and we have families and commitments and volunteer or church commitments or, or whatever people do in their spare time. And I think it's perfectly fine to have these people like Lionel Sanders and Lucy Charles and David Goggins and these people that are out there just turning themselves inside out, Nick Bear, but understand that they are making a choice to sacrifice their health for a big payoff. Like this is their job to do that. David Goggins, not so much, but their, their job is literally to be insanely fit and do these insane things. And there is a big payoff to them to sacrifice that. There is not that payoff for us age group athletes. So why sacrifice our long-term health when there is literally no payoff besides maybe a few extra minutes on our PB? Mm-hmm. So I think that the motivation that all these people provide, fantastic. It gets us off the couch. It gets me motivated. I put on Lucy Charles and Lionel Sanders and David Goggins when I'm training. But we also have to recognize that we have to take care of ourselves with something that they don't show. And, and that's, that's just something that we have to understand. Yeah. I th- yeah. I, I think they can put a bit more of an onus on it, but it's not their responsibility too. It's, you know, probably ours to, to look behind the scenes a little bit more and, and understand it. But I think um, there's one channel, uh, that triathlon life, Eric and, and Paula. Eric and Paula, yeah. I think they do a great job. Like they're very open and honest with, with how they're feeling at different times. And they also kind of have, it, it is, a, I mean, you must know, mate, how much it, it is kind of a, a second job trying to film everything and put it on mm-hmm. YouTube and content like that. And, you know, the guys who are doing it, um, the, the real full-time professionals, like your Lionel Sanders, your um, Lucy Charles, like those guys probably won't even touch a camera, but it's all being done for them but anyone who's like a full-time professional and then adds in even just a little bit more of responsibility Mm -hmm. seems to instantly have trouble and not be able to get the downtime to recover a hundred percent you you see lionel has talbot lucy has holly Uh, sam long has kenny eric and paula just have each other yeah yeah and you saw after about six to nine months they started talking about how hard it was to keep up and you actually saw them break down in some videos talking about how they're feeling so much pressure living this life publicly and being an elite athlete. I was, let's call it an elite amateur or just a competitive amateur and I couldn't do it. Uh, I, I had a really hard time with that idea of, all right, I have to document my training and get in good training and it's all just me. I can't imagine when they're doing 20 to 30 hour weeks on average and requiring that downtime to support those big weeks, how they do it. Yeah. And uh, there's a great example with, with uh, Eric. He, he took a bit more time off. He went back to strength training and he got seventh at Worlds and he's just podiumed on, uh, on an Xterra, didn't he, in the US championships? Yeah. yeah. He's had some of the races of his life. And it's these stories, I think, that are so, so much more powerful to people. Um, 2018, Tim O'Donnell didn't run three weeks before Kona and chucked out one of his best ever run splits and, and came third. Like there's, oh, there's countless stories like that. Yeah, countless, countless stories that forced rest ends up resulting in a, oh, surprise, fantastic race. 
And then countless, countless stories like one year where Ben Hoffman, Lionel Sanders, and Jan Ferdino all had a stress fracture. Mm. And Tim O'Donnell having heart problems, like all of these things that are, all signs are pointing to, let's just pump the brakes here at least some of the time and things will probably work out for the better that I think we need to listen to. And I think we need to discuss that as a community. Mate, my last question to you is with the, the recent pandemic gone on, you know, two years now, basically of events being canceled and things, what do you think the future looks like for endurance sport, knowing what you know now when events got canceled and how it looks with them coming back? Do you think it will just go back to normal or do you think it's changed the, the sport forever? I think it's going to change the composition of the sport slightly. I think when it comes back, it's going to come back and races are going to be full. But I think what'll change is you might have more transient athletes. What we're hearing and what we've done with our app and what I've done is acknowledge that I think a lot of people want to go on adventures and have balance and bounce between a half Ironman and a marathon or then maybe a trail run or like just go on endurance adventures. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. People accepting that they might not ever reach their absolute best possible PB that they might possibly get if they sacrifice their health for five years to see what they can possibly do but they'll sure get to enjoy a lot more races. I hope that's where it's going. And I really believe that's where it's going. When we start doing testing and we talk to people, that's kind of the sentiment that we're hearing. So I think we'll still have races because people want to challenge themselves. People will always want to challenge themselves, but I think they want to challenge themselves a little bit differently than before. That's my guess. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, really hope it it looks that way as well and people get as excited to go find a new trail run to do as they do for the for the race that they're entering it would be uh, it would be great to see what's next for you mate what are you looking at doing honestly not really anything at the moment there isn't really a lot to race in canada right now and i don't know what there is going to be in canada for a long time we my wife and i just moved to vancouver island and a big part of why we want to do that is because I didn't want to be limited to three bike rides that I could do or one trail run that I would have to drive 90 minutes to get to. I just wanted to be able to get outside for a trail run, for a swim in the ocean, for a bike ride, for a mountain bike ride, for a road bike ride at the drop of a hat and always be fit enough to do anything that excites me when it comes up. And there just hasn't been anything that logistically was easy to get to. But the things that I've, I've pushed off for a few years being triathlon Terran and not being Terran's motive method, which is what we are going to become, is swim runs and trail runs. Those are two things that I've wanted to do for a lot of years. And I've got my eye on how to actually start getting up to being ready for some of those. Nice. I see on your Instagram, you're doing quite a bit more like strength training and, and strength workouts and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots and lots of kettlebell stuff just for a, a bang for your buck to put together a small little kettlebell set. You can do all the strength training in the world with that. And I'm loving that. And what I'm finding is I'm able to peel way back on my endurance training 
make up for it with a small amount of strength training, somewhere between about 60 and 90 minutes a week. And my 5k run times and my FTP times when I start testing myself, almost right at my peak level. So yeah, I just, I feel better. I'm more mobile, less back issues. And I think it allows me to go from one discipline to another more easily because I'm not just strong in being in the aero position on a tri bike or running on a dead flat road training for a triathlon. I can go into trail runs and swim runs, maybe even a kettlebell session, or maybe go to a yoga studio and just feel good and healthy, and then be able to sharpen up for a race here or there in a few weeks. Nice, mate. I think it's uh, it's been a great conversation. You've definitely will have opened up some people's eyes and made them think a little bit more about their training and, and what they're really aiming for. And uh, I think as well, it's it's good to hear. I think this cycle comes around every few years. I said Ben Greenfield was before, Rich Roll was before, but the voice that you have, and I'm sure, mate, it, it would have been incredibly a, a brave decision for you to have gone out there and said, hang on a minute, this isn't maybe the way to do this after you've built your business off, you know, off triathlon and, and being, like you said, your, your people that followed you are called trainiacs, <clears throat> which um, in itself is a bit of a, you know, it means that they love to train all the time and that's all that they want to do. So mate, thank you so much for, for sharing it. Thank you so much for coming onto the, onto the show. You've talked about your app a few times and, and your coaching, but please feel free. Can you share where people can find more about that? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. This is really fun. I've kind of been in behind the curtains and not doing a ton publicly besides a little bit on Instagram for the last few weeks. And this is really actually the first time that I've, I've talked openly about the name change on anything but our our uh, podcast and youtube channel so thanks for having me um our app you can find um training advice and all of our books and our app at mymotive.com and um whether it's books or the podcast or youtube channel or the app uh, it's all found there at mymotive.com and that's our brand that we started during the pandemic to encompass everything that we're doing that is becoming more than just me out there awesome and that's m-o-t-t-i-v my motive.com i'll yeah. put it in the show notes as well and uh yeah people can head over there and, and see what you're up to mate thank you so much again for coming on and uh we'll chat soon maybe when you're you're in winter now aren't you or you're going into winter so when summer season comes around we'll be excited to see what you what you get up to thank you well there isn't much winter on the island so I'm going to have some nice photos for Instagram all year round now. Great news. Great news. Darren, thank you. And thanks for listening, guys.